Welcome to the Replant Podcast, providing biblical insight and encouragement to reclaim declining and dying churches for the glory of God and the good of our communities. Hey guys, welcome to the Replant Podcast. My name is Bob Bickford. I serve as the Associate Director of Replant for the North American Mission Board, and I'm here today with Jim Breeden, who is the Director of Missions at the St. Louis Metro Baptist Association. Jim, welcome. Good to have you here. Thanks, Bob. It's good to be here and love working with you and excited of what God's doing. Fantastic. So today, Jim, we're going to talk about the role of the local association in replanting. And before we get started with that topic, I just love to hear how you began working with the local association. Yeah, so I pastored in the association for 10 years here in St. Louis before um, Dr. Benny King was our previous director of missions and an opening came up on the staff and felt a sense of call to work with uh, struggling churches or with our existing churches here in St. Louis. That was uh, 18 years ago, Wow, December of 99. And so you were pastoring a local church. Did you continue to pastor, or have you continued to pastor over that time? No, no, I was full-time at that church, came here full-time, um, done five interims since I've been here, so I have pastored, if yeah. you will. But um, no, I've been here full-time ever since then. Fantastic. So how has the role of the local association kind of changed or morphed, or has it morphed uh, when you started 18 years ago to today? Give us just kind of some overview of that. Yeah, for St. Louis Metro at least, and as I visit with other DOMs through the years, I think it's pretty pretty similar transition. Um, the The beginning point for me was, or what was presented to me, is we basically were a funnel for SBC agencies, right? So, you know, Lifeway launches a new study of Beth Moore, then our job is to take that down channel to the church, right, and make sure everybody has all the goods okay. and uh, the emphasis that are happening in all the different agencies, and then just resource the programs of those local churches, you know. So in my first few years, I did a lot of WMU things. I did deacon uh, trainings, Sunday school events. Um, basically, whatever a church does, we bring resources or we bring conferencing to that. Those would be the two broadest scales as I think about where we were 18 years ago and what we did. How have we transitioned? Well, uh, much more of our time now is spent instead of asking them to come to us and get trained, is us go to them and help them assess and to figure out what's going on or what's going wrong and us bringing solutions to them. So whether it's assessments of you know their total ministries or whether it's um, a coaching, that pastor, that leader uh, in that local church, um, much more of, of those kind of activities than looking at the programs of, of that church. Yeah, so how many churches do you serve as part of the St. Louis Metro Association? We have 140 churches. Okay, that's quite a bit. So it's probably not just you alone. You've got a team, I would imagine, right? Yeah, so we have um, two full-time guys, and we've got about five part-time guys. Uh, we organize around three S's here at St. Louis, okay. uh, starting new churches, strengthening existing churches, which is where my heart has been from day one, and then uh, sending all churches on mission. So our staff, our budget, everything centers around those three S's. Yeah, it's great. So part of the strengthening area would involve revitalization or replanting. What are some of the things that you guys have really focused on uh, as of late in, in that arena in strengthening churches? 
Yeah, so that's a paradigm that has shifted as well, right? So we used to go in, if their deacons were weak, we'd work on deacons, which we still do some of that, Bob. Um, another way to think of the transition, your other question to answer what we do now is, um, I think of, we used to do a lot of conferencing. Um, then we moved to like a consulting world, but now it's more focused on coaching specific areas, um, whatever need they have. Um but uh, what really lit my fire some years ago in this whole strengthening world, New Orleans Seminary came out with a study on um, the health of our Southern Baptist churches. And I was rattled when I saw their numbers that 90% of churches were plateaued or declining. Mm. Many in Southern Baptist life use 80%, but they did something a little different. I'd love another nationwide study of Southern Baptist churches. But uh, they said that, well, in order to be a growing church, you have to at least baptize one person. Yeah. Seems like a pretty, you know, yeah. nominal a uh, lower, standard. A lower bar. Yeah. Um, and so when they added that, it went from, you know, the 80 number to 90 yeah. uh, percent that were struggling. So I did a study of St. Louis Metro, our 147 churches, I think, at that time. And we called it our better bad news. Um, we were running, um, there was, was 90, ours was like 77 to 80 percent that were plateaued or declining. And so you know, the problem was huge and is huge across the convention and in our place. So we've begun ever since then, that was about 10, 12, 15 years ago that we saw those numbers that we got to do something right beyond what we were speaking of a moment ago that we had been doing, which we're still willing to do those things. Um, but uh, much greater now, we bring a uh, process of assessment, a process of coaching, a process of strengthening those churches in the areas they're weakest, uh, many times focusing on the leadership, believing that then those leaders would be strong to lead their churches. Right. So a number of programs that you guys have, you, you've done some consulting, and then you also have some work with a pastor. Uh, can you can you describe that briefly, like what you guys do with a pastor? Yeah. So, I mean, in general, we want to, we first of all, want that pastor to know we're with them and for them, right? Right. Or their staff or their, their people. Right. Um, and so we do a lot of things to try to create brotherhood and a sense of um, you're not alone. Uh, one of the philosophies our staff is there's not a, no there's no such thing as a single staff church because they have our staff, right? So we all work together to have a sense that they're not alone. But then as you speak of leadership, we created, um, actually got the, the guts of it from First Baptist Orlando, um, their Baptist Association down in Orlando, um, is what we call Lead St. Louis, which is an effort to try to raise the bar of leaders. Uh, it's a two-year leadership track that uh, challenges them to lead themselves, to lead a, um, an individual and lead a team, and then ultimately to lead a church. So what we found, Bob, is working with churches, when you get into um, looking at their systems, looking at their processes, looking at their ability to to do what God wants them to do, is is they needed to have stronger leaders, hmm. uh, either the existing or who they call to be a leader. So a lot of what we have done in the last few years is under Lead St. Louis or strengthening the leaders that are in those churches. Right. So that's in addition to seminary. Some of these guys who serve the St. Louis churches are seminary trained, maybe Bible college trained, but you found that they need a leadership component as well. So um, my general thought is that as Southern Baptists in general, but I've seen it in St. Louis, is that many of us were, if we take the passage from 1 Peter, um, it says that we're to be overseers, we're to be um, shepherds, and um, we're to be elders. 
it's like we are comfortable in the shepherding world, um, seminaries. I don't want to blame it all on seminaries, but I think it's the season we live in, at least that that uh, we're working with and, and who we are as Southern Baptists, is that we have emphasized the preaching role and the pastor role, but we have not emphasized the leadership role. Hmm. And it's as if guys don't even have that on their grid or in their their repertoire. Um, I know when I pastored, I mentioned I pastored 10 years here at Central Baptist. Uh, I came out of seminary, went to a church in Ohio. That guy started the church, and, and he was the leader, and I was called to lead. When I came to Central Baptist, when I came to St. Louis to pastor, I was quickly told in a whole variety of ways, you're not the leader of this church, <laughs> right? All right. So I don't want to just blame it on seminaries or whatever, and certainly there's a, but there's a culture in Southern Baptist life that says you pastor, you preach, but you don't lead. Yeah. And so, yes, we have found that guys, um, there's a gap in their ability to make decisions or to be empowered to say yes or to lead them uh, in, in movement, whether you take John Maxwell influence or whether you take movement of, of accomplishing vision. Uh, somehow that's not in their... Um, uh, their comfort zone or their ability. And so we've tried to change that paradigm. Yeah, that's a good good aspect of, of the work of the association. So you guys are coming alongside of pastors, new pastors, existing pastors, established churches um, to, to help them lead. Now, one of the things that has surfaced recently for the North American Mission Board, and in particular in St. Louis, is this concept of replanting, mm-hmm. right? And so that's where you take a church maybe that has struggled for quite some time, and then you begin to work with it to envision a new future. So tell us about your experience with replanting here in St. Louis and some of the ins and outs and how many you've done and, and what your perspective is on that. So when we got serious five, seven years ago, um, realizing that feeding programs, equipping people to do the programs that are that are already in existence within our churches, and that, that wasn't getting it done. Um, and anything I say of not getting done, Bob, would be looking at our uniform church letter, our whole Southern Baptist family, right, down, download once a year how things are, uh, whether it's the number of people, baptisms, um, uh, how much money's coming in, all the data, right? So that's that's what we would look at. It's the only thing we had beyond, you know, uh, talking to individual churches. And it just seemed the trend was going downward, 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 right? Stetzer and many others have, have clearly uh, exemplified that reality. So the first phase we did was trying to look at the worst of our association, worst meaning that they had to have a 40 to 50-year decline in their trend line in those statistical numbers. So see if we could make a difference there. So what, what we discovered, to, to short-circuit this or say it the quickest way possible, is that as we begin to pull those pastors together in a group, and many times we'd have five to ten of them in a room in the same similar situation, and we'd begin to unpack how to turn that around or how to see this uh, trend change, what we would hear from them is, we can't do that. Mm. Um, and so beginning to unpack what does that mean, whatever, and there was always a variety of things. But normally it meant that the number they were down to or the demographic of their church, the age of the people in that church, they couldn't turn around and go reach the next generation or get out on the streets or go do the ministries to reach people. And so that, that, um, that, was, that was troublesome. Um, yeah, so... so- Obviously, if you have an older congregation that's experienced a multi-decade decline, 
they're going to look less like the community perhaps around them. Plus, they're not going to be able to do as much work in effort in support of the mission of the church. But but you mentioned something that pastors felt like they couldn't lead the church or couldn't help it become. What was There was a hopelessness. That? There was a sense of, of um, not knowing what to do, and there was a sense of that if they knew what to do, they didn't have the people or the right mix of people to get it done, all right? right. And so that's what I'm leading to say is that in our uh, effort, we found that the role of the association was going to have to bring partners to the table to help these struggling churches. So we landed on the terms, we have struggling churches and strong churches. How can we partner these together to get done what these struggling churches say they can't do? Okay, And so in the early generations of this effort, it was pretty similar to what most people understand, that maybe you bring a mission team in from afar, and that mission team helps them do a block party and stuff like that. And certainly there's still some components of that, Bob, but what we found was, in reality, that was further handicapping them. It was further... um, 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 we were hurting instead of helping the the larger picture of that church because it gave them the facade they were doing it. But then that mission team left, Mm -hmm. whether they were from Texas or whether Mm -hmm. they were from here in St. Louis, another church, and they were sitting there not able to follow through and even the the names they were following up on, let alone carry on the ministry. Mm -hmm. So the partnerships needed to be deeper. They needed to be more... um, Uh, entrenched into the life of that church. Um, And so we began to create what we now call solutions for struggling churches, which were um, uh, to differing levels of involvement or integration into the life of that church to the level that church wanted it, um, and concluded really three ships that we as an association would bring. We wanted to bring uh, high relationship. Okay, one of our mantras of revitalization is that we don't do things to churches, but with churches. Yeah, that's a great word. So we wanted to have a depth of relationship, get to know the pastor, get to know the people, um, and um, and for them to get to know the churches and the options that are in the association. And then the next ship was leadership. They needed, many of them didn't have the leadership, um, so could we bring others in to lead or form um, relationships that would breed or bring relationships that would be healthier for what they needed to get done. Yeah. And then the one I was focusing on first was what kind of partnership could these churches have to see a, a, a replant or a revitalization? Uh, we can talk about those terms if you want to, but as you define partnership, how much involvement will these other strong churches have in the life of those churches? So that sounds like nav- you have to navigate quite a bit there, because you're in some cases you're navigating the relationship with an existing pastor mm-hmm. who's wondering what to do. In some cases, a church that is perhaps without an existing pastor, maybe a deacon or uh, a deacon group or a pastor search committee. So you're coming, what you're saying then is you're coming alongside as the association, you're coming alongside and working with them to talk about, and you mentioned solutions for struggling churches. What what are some of those solutions that, that you guys are talking about as you guys move forward together? Yeah, so they're basically broad categories um, that have hybrids of any one of them, right? And, and you, you just were hinting or touching on the basis that um, we do not believe there's a cookie-cutter approach, a one-size-fits-all um, we believe the church is a living organism, right? Uh, we believe that every church is different, every culture and the community is different. 
And so um, a big part of our philosophy of revitalization or replanting is working with that existing church under the leadership of the Holy Spirit um, and believing God will reveal and show us what is the best approach. Um, but we do have these general categories, and, and I've got a sheet in front of me. I'll just read them broadly, and we can jump into any one of them that you may think most helpful. But starts with first just church assessment and consultation. We're willing to enter the door and just on the briefest level give our evaluation. Uh, we do have a pretty extensive uh, process that we lead a church through to kind of look in the mirror and see how well they're doing, not just in the the big B's, right, baptisms, budget numbers, and all this stuff, but just their own their own health as a church. Are they healthy? Similar to going to a doctor, right, right and uh, right. take your vital signs. Um, so we've got a process to do that. The next one is to partner with a with a stronger church, and that can go all the way from. Um, again, as I was saying earlier, like a mission team come to supplement an area all the way to, to moving back as a mission church. Many churches started as missions, then would become a full autonomous church. We talk with churches and say, maybe it's, maybe it's a good idea for you to become a mission church again and let some church help you get back up on your feet again um, and then move out as, as a, another autonomous church. The third one is to be a church replant and I know that's big on your heart as NAM and, and the work that's happening, and, and we love that option. Um, that usually means that a church literally isn't able on their own, even with some supplementary help, to, um, to, to be an effective church for that community. Sometimes it means it's a changing community. Sometimes it means it's, it's the current leadership they have, the age that they've become. There's a variety of things, but... Um, the association would work to to replant that church many times under a new name, mm. under a new structure, a new authority, new new components throughout that church. Number four is one I resisted for a long time. Um, that is a church merger or a marriage. Mm. Um, they get a bit complicated um, and often need attorneys and and other people involved, and it just seemed like counselors and peacemakers. Oh my and... goodness, it's just it's hard. Um, yeah. But we've had enough of them happen yeah. that were successful. That we have it now as an option. Um, but that's obviously two churches merging together. Yeah. Um, it's usually a strong church and a struggling church, but could be uh, two two churches of, of any size or type. The fifth one, running through these uh, real quick, is that a church sees themselves moving from being a single church, one use of a building, to a ministry center where they may have three churches meeting in that building and several ministries in that building. Um, in St. Louis, many people know Hanley Road uh, became a site for the journey. Yeah. Um, they, Slade Johnson, I remember the day he said to me, Jim, we see ourselves as a ministry center, not just a church. And I thought, man, that's a great idea, uh, particularly in the urban areas. Um, you could put multiple ministries out of that one building uh, in a church has an identity much bigger than just um, who they were uh, before. And then the last one, which... Uh, we don't like to do, but some churches choose this. And again, keep in mind, we don't choose these, right? We present these. Um, a church will tell us what they believe God wants them to do at that season. But uh, you worked with a church here in, in our association not too long ago that chose this last one, and that is that they they give their building, their property, their money to the association, um, and then we use it as we believe you know would be healthiest for that community. Uh, sometimes that means putting a church plant in there or another uh, a church from another part of the city 
or it could mean selling that property and using that money for church planting or replanting down the road for multiple churches. So that would be the the last option that we present. So in your uh, in, in let's say your your uh, six solutions, what you're saying is all of those are vital solutions or are possible solutions. You don't tend to highlight some over the other, but you work with the local congregation in determining which of those six solutions might be appropriate for them. Ninety percent or a little more, probably. We don't have hard statistics. Um, they all choose number one. Mm. Um, every church wants to take the most least invasive, which is surgery. the consultation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just want consultation, whatever. Right. But what it does, Bob, from an associational standpoint, it gets us in the door. It yeah. gets us around the table, talking with those deacons, with the church leaders, with the pastors, and when we begin to talk about, you know, or the or the the assessment, you know, we use a variety of assessments. Um, um, uh, Transformational Church happens to be our favorite that we use right now, but Barna has one, Chuck Lawless has one. There's a variety of assessments. But you walk a church down a journey to assess themselves. And um, again, this phrase comes up, Jim, appreciate you doing all this, but we don't see ourselves being able to do that. We, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't think we can do that. Mm-hmm. Where they chose it to begin with, but realize that they need one of the more invasive or mm-hmm. the more uh, challenging uh, options down below. And it kind of just happens naturally, you know. And what I love about it is they're making those decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not coming in telling them what to do or um, having a one size fits all. But they self they self discover that as 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 they walk along, and um, and so we've had about you mentioned uh, in St. Louis since I've been here in the last um, five to seven years, we've had uh, 14, 15 churches um, do. Um, the more invasive replants or partnerships or mergers uh, in the uh, last five to seven years. So what are some of the learnings then, having had that number uh, of churches that have chosen that route, what what are some of the things you guys are learning about replanting? Well, number one, it's hard. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It it is hard because, um, again, you talk about the old paradigm to the new paradigm. We knew how to do the old paradigm. We knew kind of you bring a you know, a certain um, program or conference to, you know, fix a church or to help them. And um, this is a longer process. And um, many times um, they shut down, you know, and mm. many times they kick us out. Um, mm. We've literally been kicked out of churches. Yeah. Uh, we've been told, I think your first visit, you went with me. I was just, and so for everyone to know, I also serve uh, with Jim in the church revitalization team here uh before I came to my my role with the replant team at NAM, so I was part of one of those Sunday afternoon meetings where we were pretty much kicked out of the church. Yeah, okay. and we've had churches vote to do uh, mm-hmm. replant, but then in the middle of it, change their mind yeah. and literally kick us out. So I know a lot of times in these podcasting conferencing, everybody tells the good stories, and we've got good stories, and I love to tell those. But my first thing that that I've learned is it's hard. It yeah. is hard, hard work, yeah. and many times you could put a year's effort into one of these things, and it and they say no or um, it doesn't materialize for whatever reason. But a couple other things we've learned. Uh, number two, it's very important to work with the whole church, not just the leadership of the church. Mm. This took us several years, uh, and I hate to admit that, but um, many times you feel like you're meeting with that pastor or staff or even the deacons or some leadership team, and what you come to find out is they do not represent the whole church. Mm-hmm. 
So the quicker you can get to the whole church, and as you know, we have now a system that the whole church votes, and on the front end, they all know, and we disclose what's going on. Um, but we learned the hard way that um, you can spin your wheels a long time um, and not have the key players or the whole church on board, and uh, you're, you're wasting your time. So practically, how do you go from meeting with a pastor or, say, a small group like a search committee or a deacon body? How do, you, how do you, as a DOM or associational staff person, how do you make the jump to the whole church? Well, the easiest way to do it is to ask that pastor to let you preach and yeah. let you address it on a Sunday morning and and come from it uh, from one of the seven letters of Revelation mm-hmm. or, you know, goodness, the Church of Corinth had all kinds of issues and Paul addressed a lot of issues there, right? right? But find some biblical basis and ask him to give you a Sunday morning, Sunday night. It's not rare or in those early days. It was not rare that I'd do a Sunday morning, a Sunday school time, and then the Sunday night. And so I'd have three times with the whole church or with the, the largest part of that church. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can you can tell pretty quickly, right, at the end of those services and, and, and the, the questions and the dialogue, whether this church is ready for change. Um, you know, we now have assessments that we use that sure. our church is ready for change. But if you just if you just go in and preach a few services and meet with the whole church— um, have a meal afterwards, have round table, have interaction, right? So on a given Sunday, one Sunday, you can you could um, have a lot of interaction with the whole church. Um, some of the other things we've learned, Bob, which um, this is not fun, but uh, many times um, the church does need new leadership, and mm. um, that makes it also difficult. So that pastor has been laboring there for 5, 10, 15 years, and um, in the course of conversation with them, that pastor pastor whispers to you, or you uh, discern that uh, for any number of reasons, he's just not the guy that is going to lead this church to the future. Right. And um, so you have those conversations and try to try to help him find where he could be effective and where his gifts and talents would be better served, not just for himself, but for the health of his family and and for that community and church. So that's another thing we learned is. Um, uh, how to how to navigate those waters with personnel committees and deacons and the church. Um, I will... that, that has to be a really challenging one because each church is autonomous. We're not a Presbyterian uh, type of structure, government. When you're you're using relational influence and um, you know navigating some some very difficult waters there. It, it is um, what I have found most times, Bob, is that the guy is ready to do that, wants to do that, but doesn't know how to go about doing it. Mm-hmm. And um, so in the half a dozen times that we've helped work with personnel committee deacons and process that, I have found some courageous, humble, um, kingdom-centered men who put the needs of the church and the needs of their community above their own needs. And, boy, that's a beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. picture. Yeah. Isn't that the gospel? Yeah. When Jesus gives it up for the sake of others. And um, so, but yeah, it is, it is difficult to walk, walk through some of that. Um, and then I think the other, a couple other smaller things maybe would be that um, something happened within me a few years ago to realize, you talking about just what have I learned about replanting, is that the association or the, the, the entity that's helping this church has to view it as much for the community as for that church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
I believe every community in St. Louis, we have tons of municipalities in St. Louis. Every one of our municipalities or our communities deserve a good, healthy, strong, vibrant, gospel-centered church. Right. And when that hit in my spirit, that it, and I hate saying this, I love the church, right? Christ died for the church, but it's not just about that church. We're here to be missionaries. We're here to reach this three, three million people in St. Louis. And uh, we can't do that. It doesn't happen if these churches aren't healthy, if they're inward focused, they're doing the things they've always done. Um, so I guess one of the things that we've learned, that I've learned as a director of missions, is I have to care and think about this whole city and think about the community and the people that live in that community, not just that church that's struggling. And so to me, that's that's up the game to say we we need to really do and have a commitment to do whatever it takes to have a strong, healthy, gospel-centered church in this community. And um, so those are some of the things we've learned. Right, and that's a kingdom focus rather than like a campus, what we might call a church location mm-hmm. campus focus, which is uh, oftentimes where... Um, you know, it's easy to it's it's easy to focus in on that local church. So, um, one of the questions we get at the replant team, and you probably get this as well: What do you do in dealing with that church that's just the most difficult scenario that you can imagine? You know, it, it might come up in a conversation with another church leader, or pastor, or a, a, a fellow DOM. How do I get a church to change? Have you got any secret sauce or silver bullets <laughs> that you can share with us on that one? Well, um, I don't know their secrets, but I will tell you that it seems like many of us um, forget a few basic things. Yeah. Um, I think we do need to be people of prayer and people of the book. Um, we know that the Bible changes lives, right? doesn't return void. So I would encourage us as we work with churches to trust God. It's his church. Trust the word of God. And um, I, I'll, I'll, confession's good for the soul. Right. I showed up to a church some years ago at one of our churches that were struggling, talked with that pastor, and he had about three to five of his deacons and men there. We must have talked, Bob, for about an hour, two hours. And I thought, boy, you know, I've done a good job. I've really convinced them. We've addressed some issues. And one of these laymen sat back in his chair, and he said, I'm disappointed. And he said, um, I don't think we should be doing this. And I said, well, sir, what's, what's, what's the problem? He said, you've not opened your Bible. Mm. You've not shared a verse. Mm. There's nothing been spiritual about this process. Mm. Um, broke my heart. Mm. And, um, and what this layman wanted to know, right, is this of God? What's mm-hmm. God's word say about this? And so what I have found is that when laymen are approached from a biblical text, not you know proof texting, not just cramming the Bible down their throat, but when you show the, the heart and concern of Jesus talking to the seven churches in Revelation, when you show the heart of Paul writing these letters to these different churches and calling for them to address serious issues for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God, that this church, that you as a, as a deacons and you as church leaders have that same passion um, and that we need to address these issues for these reasons, it's, ama- it's amazing how the heart can soften and the perspectives change. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that can sound idealistic, and we know that doesn't always work. But I don't want to overlook, and I want to say to you that um, presenting a biblical approach and using the Word of God, I've seen do more than what I, I, I sh- you know, in the early days would have gotten much better results if I'd have done it sooner. Right. I think one of the phrases, and I'm not sure if this was unique to us, but 
in some of the work here in St. Louis with churches that were in the process of trying to consider what their future was is is somewhere along those lines the phrase let the bible be the bad guy yeah. kind of came yeah. up and yeah. and not bad guy in the sense of uh, you know like we would normally think of that phrase but but when it when the leadership uh, and the people of a church get a vision of what God's called the church to be from the biblical perspective it's more challenging than anything we can say yeah amen amen Absolutely. But a couple other things. So we're talking about what what do you do when there's a very difficult church, right? Yeah, church yeah. that's really hard, doesn't want to change. I think sometimes we just need to realize that our job is also the like Paul said in evangelism, plant and water, but mm-hmm. God will give the increase. So mm-hmm. we we need to see this as a long haul, long process. Um, I'm a guy who likes instant return, right? I want instant gratification. I want change. You know, yesterday. Um, but in this process, I've learned it just doesn't happen that way. Right. And so we've got to realize that we go in and many times plant and water and they say no. And you say, okay, you know, in our case, our association just celebrated 200 years. I've literally started saying to them, well, we've been around 200 years. We can wait another five, 10, whatever yeah. number of years you need. Um, and But don't forget, we, we're here to serve you, right? We love you, whatever. So keep an open door um, and plant and water. But here's some more practical, maybe what you're asking, um, is, is again, we say there's not one size fits all, but I'm one person, and, and I do have a philosophy. I do have one approach that I generally take with churches. I have found, and as you know, the last few years we've moved to a team approach. Yeah. And so what do you do when a church doesn't change? Well, if I go in, they don't change. Maybe, maybe it's about my approach. Maybe it's been my angle. Maybe it's the way I interacted with them. So let's send a Bob Bickford, let's send a Tim Cowan, let's send another guy in there and see if there's different results, right? And I do think there are different guys or different approaches that work better for churches than another, right? So if it if a church isn't changing, and, and I've been the guy going two times, three times, five times, um, let's, let's take a different approach. Maybe a different guy go up there, a different face, a different attitude, a different perspective. So these team members or this team that you speak of, it's not simply just another association staff person. Tell us a little bit about the team approach that, that St. Louis Metro uses. Yeah, but it could be our staff, like Darren, you know, our, our church sure. um, uh, starting guy. Um, he has a different, you know, all of us are different. So he'll have a different angle or approach. So it could be a staff person. But on our team, yeah, we have a variety of pastors that have, some of them have more pastoral heart. Um, I'm more of an aggressive change guy and go in a little bit more with truth than love. So um, having a variety of guys from the church uh, revitalization team uh, take a crack at it or to go up and present um, is is a great option if if um, if we've had a closed door or resistance um, to one guy. Yeah, yeah. Are there certain kinds of characteristics that you look for in a team uh, person that would join the the church revitalization team, or or as you have kind of architected uh, the team and brought it together? What was some, what were some of the things that guided you about uh, choosing the members that that you selected? Well, number one, we wanted guys, kind of two foundational things and then a couple more surface things. One, we wanted guys who have done it or who are doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, um, I'm a big guy on getting it done and and someone who's got a track record and and, um, can do it in the real world, not just in an artificial world, talk about it. So we we pick guys who have done it or were doing it. Um, We also on our team put intentionally guys that had more of a bent to church planting than pastoring existing churches. 
Um, again, as we as we generally paradigmed a few minutes ago, most Southern Baptist churches aren't used to being led, but church planters have to lead. There's no structure. There's no right. um, you know powers to be that that restrict them. And so what I found is that if we put some guys on the church revitalization team that were planters who thought outside the box and thought more like missionaries also, um, that, that's another big thing when you talk about the transition from associational work, going back to answer that question with the previous question as well, is that um, many churches have stopped thinking like missionaries, mm-hmm. right? They've thought, they just think about how to keep doing what they're doing internally, mm-hmm. And so what they need to see themselves as, again, as missionaries to their 5,000 people or 50,000 people, whatever Jerusalem that they have for their local church. So putting a church planter on the revitalization team who will then interact with those existing churches takes them back to their first love, takes them back to their roots um, as a church. And all of us drift away from the Lord instead of to the Lord. Right. Churches do the same thing. They drift away from missionary endeavors in life and uh, could be just as simple as um, challenging them to have an Acts 1-8 strategy. You know, what are you doing from Jerusalem to the uttermost? Um, but back to that team. So we wanted um, guys that were doing it, and we wanted guys who were have a church planting uh, bent or missional bent the other thing is we wanted some guys who have who have a culture and a long-standing relationship here in St. Louis, right? So um, some seasoned veterans, if you will, that that know the city well and know the culture of our churches and that kind of thing. So a hybrid of guys uh, we put on our CR team. All right. So one of the the um, one of the contributions of that team was to come together develop a strategy, but also to write something that we called at the, on that team is the CR process manual. So uh, in that process, one of the things we did was was think together, dream together, pray together about those best practices and how you would approach going into a church. And can you did you envision that that's kind of where, where you wanted the team to go to make a product and a process and that sort of thing? Is that, did you have that in mind? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had been working on, um, you know, two or three versions uh, as a staff, but felt we needed um, the team approach. Two things I, I wanted out of the team in general. One, I wanted I wanted to raise the quality, and and then increase the quantity. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm one guy, right? We got a part time guy on staff, Tom. You know. Um, but we needed more quantity of guys to do more work of coaching churches, coaching, uh, coaching pastors, mm-hmm. um, but also raise the quality. So, um, as you know, we came into to the room we're sitting in right now, and we got around this conference table and just said, hey, how do we help churches? What does it take to help churches? What process would help a church evaluate and assess where they are and then put in place uh, changes? And um, so, yeah, I, I had envisioned that this group of guys uh, had individually, let alone we come together collectively, the wisdom to put together a good quality process, which I'm delighted now, just as you told me a couple of days ago, that NAM is now taking that and with your kind of expansion of that is now the um, official associational document for um, Southern Baptist for replanting or revitalization. So praise the Lord. That's right. It's officially called the the Associational Guide for Replanting, mm-hmm. and uh, you can download that at churchreplanters.com. 
www.namedgeneration.com. And then it's also available on nam.net. And if you search associational guide uh, in the search box feature, you're going to find it. But all of that really was produced from the work here that, uh, that happened here in St. Louis when that team got together. So it was great to be a part of that. As you think about the, the future of replanting in St. Louis and beyond, Jim, what are some of the things that are encouraging uh, you and exciting you at the same time? Well, I, I think, Bob, it excites me. Um, you know, it's a bad thing, but there's plenty of work to do. And I, and I think we're going to get more and more churches. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, uh, that we're going to get more and more properties. Uh, unfortunately, again, you know, think of those statistics. 80%, if you go to 90%, I don't care, go to 70% of my 140 churches or the 46,000 Southern Baptist churches. That's a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. So um, that you know, we're going to get more and more of those churches calling, and more and more properties that that uh, we're going to deal with. Um, what do I see in the future? I see, um, you know, you and I participated uh, in Denver here recently in a replanter assessment mm-hmm. um, that has emerged slowly through the last few years. Um, I've always said that it takes a unique guy to replant a church or to revitalize a church because he's got to do two things simultaneously. I know Nam has identified these eight characteristics, which I love. Um, but in general, the way I would say it is, um, uh, we've got to help find the guys who can deconstruct while they construct. Yeah. Um, some guys love to tear things apart. Yeah. You know, this is all wrong, let's get rid of it. Yeah. But then they can't build something new. Yeah. And you have to do them simultaneously. It's not A, then B. You got to do both because those people, the 50 remnant that are there, you're going to ask them to deconstruct a lot of things that they cherish and love. And they want to see return for that. You know, you, we, yeah. we know the story of where your, your pastor now and Dottie, who loves young babies, she yeah. wants to see young couples and babies in there. Yes. As long as there's babies and young couples coming, you can do anything you want. She's happy, right? Yeah. But if you're not reaching those young couples, constructing new, you're in trouble. Yeah. Okay, and uh, they'll fire you after a couple years, right? So, um, so what are what are what do I see in the future? I, I see the association uh, having a greater role. We've always had a role in helping search committees find pastors, but we've we have basically led them through a process to just find who surfaces through mm-hmm. these resumes. Mm-hmm. I see the association playing a greater role. Of, of bringing to them three to five assessed replanters and that they pick from those guys, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and that we know they're higher quality um, and have experience and have a passion, a calling to do construction and deconstruction or the eight qualities, um, um, much better level, higher level than just by chance a normal guy would do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see that's something that, that the association is going to have to do a lot more of and, and look forward to doing. The other thing is I think the association is going to have to up its game on finding these strong partners, right? So a lot of associations will say, well, you know, I'm working with all these struggling churches, but we, where do we get partners? Where do we get, you know, the stronger churches? Well, they're in their association, but many of them aren't engaged. They mm-hmm. don't need the association. Right. They're not working. Right. So you need to go build those relationships and the brotherhood with those larger church pastors um, that have a kingdom heart in many cases, not all of them, some of them, um, have a heart to want to pour into younger guys or pour into a struggling church. 
So the, the future of the association, the association isn't going to be able to do it. Okay, so we have, as you know, adopted the mantra just like we did under planting as Southern Baptist churches plant churches, churches replant churches. Mm-hmm. So if that's true, which I believe it is, both on a resource need and in a in a sense of the scope of the task, we're going to have to go present that vision as well as equip the the larger, stru- uh, stronger church. Um, to to know what to do or how to take on a struggling church and what to do and not just reproduce themselves, but care about the context, the culture, and and that that individual church as well. So um, being involved in those kind of things, um, I think, is the future of the association. Yeah, that's a good word. So, Jim, you, I know that uh, your heart for the the church and the kingdom extends beyond the boundaries of St. Louis. And so uh, you've mentioned many times if uh, if there are DOMs or pastors or uh, persons who are interested in replanting, if they're interested in contacting you, they can go to the website at the St. Louis Metro Association and uh, shoot you an email and connect with you in that way. Is that right? Yeah. So whether we had a partnership for years with Kentucky um, and Kentucky sent up a lot of teams, helped us greatly. Uh, We love mutual partnerships in St. Louis. And so I went and spoke, have multiple times to their DOMs or subgroups of DOMs or pastors who have a heart for revitalization. So, yeah, anyway, our office um, in any of our three S worlds, but in church strengthening world, we can help. Uh, We would love to do it. Absolutely. That's great. So check out the St. Louis Metro Baptist Association. Jim Breen is the director of missions. And as always, if you're interested in the world of replanting, resourcing, equipping, and encouragement and connection, you can go to churchreplanters.com or nam.net. Jim, thanks for joining us on the Replant Podcast. And uh, we're glad to hear about what's going on here in St. Louis. Amen. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right. We'll see you next time on the Replant Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Replant Podcast, a resource of the SEND Network of the North American Mission Board. For more information, visit churchreplanters.com.